This episode of the OrthoBullets podcast will go over the topic of AIN compressive neuropathy from the hand section on orthobullets.com. AIN compressive neuropathy is a compressive neuropathy of the anterior interosseous nerve that results in motor deficits only. Again, AIN compressive neuropathy is a compressive neuropathy of the anterior interosseous nerve that results in motor deficits only, and there are no cutaneous sensory changes. As far as the pathoanatomy of AIN compressive neuropathy, potential sites of entrapment include the tendinous edge of the deep head of the pronator teres, which is the most common cause, the FDS arcade, the edge of the Lacertus fibrosis, the accessory head of the FPL, otherwise known as Ganser's muscle, accessory muscle from the FDS to FDP, aberrant muscles like the FCRB and the palmaris profundus, and or a thrombosed ulnar radial or ulnar artery. Patients with complete AIN palsy should have no motor function to all muscles innervated by the AIN. Patients with incomplete palsies or with a Martin-Gruber anastomosis, which is an anomalous anatomy in 15% of the population, where axons of the AIN may cross over and connect to the ulnar nerve and innervate other muscle groups. These patients may present with intrinsic weakness. Associated conditions with AIN compressive neuropathy includes Parsonage-Turner syndrome, in which bilateral AIN signs are caused by viral brachial neuritis. Be suspicious if motor loss is preceded by intense shoulder pain and a viral prodrome. Now let's go over some relevant anatomy. The AIN is the terminal motor branch of the median nerve. The AIN arises from the median nerve approximately 4 to 6 centimeters distal to the medial epicondyle, and it travels between the FDS and FDP initially, then between the FPL and FDP, then it lies on the anterior surface of the interosseous membrane, traveling with the anterior interosseous artery to the pronator quadratus. Terminal branches innervate the joint capsule and the intercarpal, radiocarpal, and distal radial ulnar joints. Remember that the AIN has principally motor innervation, no cutaneous sensory, and innervates three muscles, the FDP of the index and middle finger, the FPL, and the pronator quadratus. So again, the AIN has principally motor innervation, no cutaneous sensory, and innervates three muscles, the FDP of the index and middle finger, the FPL, and the pronator quadratus. As far as the presentation of AIN compressive neuropathy, symptoms include motor deficits only, and typically no complaints of pain, unlike other median compression neuropathies, such as carpal tunnel syndrome and pronator syndrome. On physical exam in these patients, you may find weakness of grip and pinch, specifically the thumb, index, and middle finger flexion. Patients may also be unable to make the OK sign, which tests the FDP and FPL. Pronator quadratus weakness has been shown with weak resisted pronation with the elbow maximally flexed. You must distinguish from FPL attritional rupture, which is seen in rheumatoid patients, by passively flexing and extending the wrist to confirm the tenodesis effect in an intact tendon. If the tendons are intact, Passive wrist extension brings the thumb IP joint and index finger DIP joint into relatively flexed position. As far as evaluation, nerve conduction velocity and EMG studies are helpful to make the diagnosis, and they may reveal abnormalities in the FPL, FTP index and middle finger, as well as the pronator quadratus muscles. A nerve conduction velocity and EMG may assess the severity of neuropathy and may rule out more proximal lesions. 
Treatment of AIN compressive neuropathy can be non-operative or operative. Non-operative management includes observation, rest, and splinting in 90 degrees of flexion. This is indicated in the vast majority of patients unless there is a clear space-occupying mass. The majority of patients will improve with non-operative management. The technique of non-operative management involves elbow splinting in 90 degrees of flexion for 8 to 12 weeks. Operative options include surgical decompression of the AIN. This is indicated if non-operative treatment fails after several months, and there's approximately a 75% success rate of surgical decompression. As far as the specific techniques for surgical decompression of the AIN, there should be release of the superficial arch of the FDS and the Lacertus fibrosis. This technique will also involve detachment of the superficial head of the pronator teres, ligation of any crossing vessels, and removal of any space-occupying lesion. Complications of AIN compressive neuropathy is recurrence. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. The first question reads, A 25-year-old male is stabbed in the proximal volar forearm while fighting in a bar. He presents to the ED with a 1-centimeter wound and moderate oozing of blood. On exam, he has normal sensation throughout all distributions in his hand, normal radial and ulnar pulses, and a normal tenodesis effect. He is unable to actively flex his index finger DIP joint. Which muscle will also likely not function as a result of his injury? And the choices are 1. Flexor digitorum brevis, 2. Flexor carpi radialis, 3. Flexor carpi ulnaris, 4. Flexor pollicis longus, and 5. Pronator teres. The correct answer to this question is 4. Flexor pollicis longus. So the patient has sustained a laceration of the anterior interosseous nerve, which is a branch of the median nerve and innervates the flexor pollicis longus, pronator quadratus, and the flexor digitorum profundus to the index and long fingers. An intact tenodesis effect signifies that all of his tendons are structurally intact. To quickly review, the AIN can be injured by a penetrating injury or chronic compression. It arises from the dorsal radial aspect of the median nerve distal to the elbow. It then passes between the FPL and FDP to lie on the anterior interosseous membrane en route to the pronator quadratus and wrist capsule. Compression sites of the AIN include the deep head of the pronator teres, the FDS arcade, edge of the Lacertus fibrosis, an accessory head of the FPL, or other accessory muscles of the forearm such as the FDS, FDP, and or FCR. In this particular scenario of an acute penetrating AIN injury, exploration and primary end-to-end suture repair is appropriate. Rodner et al. review AIN syndrome and stress the importance of ruling out a tendon rupture, which can present similarly and can be differentiated by testing the patient's tenodesis effect. Non-traumatic AIN syndrome is usually the result of a neuritis similar to Parsonage-Turner syndrome, which is a brachial plexus neuritis, and may have similar triggers such as viral infection or autoimmune disease. They recommend a prolonged period of observation that is approximately 12 months in the absence of an obvious compressive or space-occupying lesion due to high rates of spontaneous recovery at about one year. Park et al. report on 11 patients that underwent surgical exploration for spontaneous AIN syndrome at an average of 7.8 months. The most common compressive structure was a fibrous band of the FDS, however four patients had no obvious compressive structure 
emphasizing the importance of at least six months of conservative treatment. And moving on to the final question. A 34-year-old seamstress was diagnosed with Parsonage Turner brachial neuritis in the right upper extremity one month ago. She has weak forearm pronation with the elbow in the flex position. She denies any current sensory changes. While trying to make a fist, it is obvious that she has motor palsies of the flexor pollicis longus and the two radial profundus tendons. Which of the following most likely represents her diagnosis and treatment? And the choices are 1. Anterior interosseous nerve syndrome treated with observation. 2. Posterior interosseous nerve syndrome with release of the arcata froche. 3. Pronator syndrome with the surgical release of the Lacertus fibrosis. 4. Anterior interosseous nerve syndrome with surgical release of Ganser's muscle. And 5. Posterior interosseous nerve syndrome treated with observation. The correct answer to this question is 1. Anterior interosseous nerve syndrome treated with observation. So this patient presents with anterior interosseous nerve or AIN syndrome and is often seen in conjunction with brachial neuritis or Parsonage-Turner syndrome. AIN syndrome leads to motor palsies of the flexor pollicis longus and the two radial profundus tendons. The pronator quadratus is also involved and can be tested with the elbow held in a flex position to neutralize the humeral head of the pronator teres muscle. No sensory changes occur and electromyographic or EMG and nerve conduction velocity or NCV studies are often helpful in establishing the diagnosis. The Level 5 review article by Rodner et al. discusses that anterior interosseous nerve syndrome usually resolves with time, particularly if the lesion is secondary to neuritis. Observation for 3 to 6 months with splinting at 90 degrees is favored before surgical treatment. Parsonage and Turner reported in their 1948 landmark article on several cases of isolated AIN palsy caused by neuralgic amyotrophy, for example, Parsonage-Turner syndrome or brachial plexus neuritis. Parsonage-Turner syndrome symptoms may include pain and motor and or sensory dysfunction in one or in multiple peripheral nerves of the upper extremity. That's all for this review about AIN compressive neuropathy. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the OrthoBullets podcast, a daily audio review session by OrthoBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for orthopedic surgery education. Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on orthobullets.com, and in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the OrthoBullets website while going through the topic. If you're enjoying the podcast so far, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks so much, and we'll see you all tomorrow.